But prayer is an important thing. Nehemiah was a man of prayer. We've been, and we are now continuing a study that has spanned almost a year off and on, Ezra and Nehemiah. And as we have looked at that, specifically turning to uh, Nehemiah, we've seen a man who is instant in prayer, as we might say. He's one who is who avails himself much of prayer. It's interesting, maybe you've seen the books that uh, are leadership books based on the life of Nehemiah. There's a few out there where you read how Nehemiah was a great leader in a lot of different ways, and he did. He was able to cast a vision to bring along people to, to, to do the work, but as you begin to read the book of Nehemiah, you learn quickly And Nehemiah's strength was in his relationship with God and his prayer with God. So, if you'll turn to Nehemiah, we'll be there this evening. Nehemiah, begin chapter 1, and we're going to cover the whole book. Uh, We won't read it all, but we're going to cover the whole book of Nehemiah. We're going to look at Nehemiah's prayers, and I think we'll be encouraged to pray this evening. Let's bow and ask God's help. Gracious God, thank you for who you are, for the power of your word of your great testimony of salvation in our lives through Scripture and for the, the work that you have left behind of a preserved word that we might know who you are. And that we also might gain understanding and knowledge from those who followed you many thousands of years ago. So tonight, open our hearts to see you through the Word, to see the avenue of prayer that is available to us. May we be as Nehemiah was, people of prayer. It's in Christ in my pray. Amen. Nehemiah 1. Nehemiah 1. Remember the story, I won't go over too much, but he's in the capital. He is uh, enjoying his life in the palace. And in verse... Um, one, we understand in verse 2 that his brother came with others and tell of the great calamity in Jerusalem. And you go to verse 4 of chapter 1. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Very first thing that we see in Nehemiah is a prayer of the Lord. I we need you. Now notice this prayer was not as later on an instantaneous prayer. This prayer spans a good long time. As he is, he's sitting down, he's weeping. A man that has been grasped by the severity of the, the hardship there it is in Jerusalem. Of what's going on, he weeps. And as you look through the, the passage from 4 to 11... He confesses a couple of things. And the next part we see, joining off verse 4, is, Lord, I or we confess that we have sinned. We deserve judgment. We need mercy. And look at 4 through 11. Verse 5, I beseech you, Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who preserves the covenant and loving kindness for those who love Him and keep His, keep his commandments. As a primer in prayer, He's addressing God. He's addressing the majesty of God and who God is. But then he very quickly goes to the appeal in verse 6. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant, which I am praying before you now, day and night. Notice the time factor here. But he prays on behalf of the children of Israel. Those who have 
gone before him for hundreds of year and off, years and often cases here on behalf of them, your servants, confessing the sins of the sons of Israel which we have sinned against you. I and my father's house have sinned. Notice there's confession. Often on our prayers, we want to skip past confession. There is confession here. And he acknowledges as we move through that, verse 7, they've acted corruptly, that they are in need of judgment. Indeed, God has judged. So in our prayers, as we look, as we, we fall down before God and pray, we understand that in confessing, we are not to sugarcoat our sins. We're not to say it was a mistake, but we are to confess them. And here, he's confessing corporately the sins of the people. For those who are even dead and gone, he's confessing, he's calling out to God for forgiveness on their behalf. And saying, and agreeing with God, which is so important in prayer and in confession, he's agreeing with God that they need, or they deserve rather, judgment. They deserve judgment. We have acted corruptly. Corruptly, you have not, and we have not kept the commandments that you've given to us. And remember the word of Moses in verse eight. We, I remember that that you said of God, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But there's the promise here. But if you return to me and my commandments, I will gather you back. And he's calling out, "They are your servants, Lord." So he beseech you, verse ten. I be, Lord, I beseech you, may your ear be attentive to the prayer, to the prayer of your servant the prayer of your servants who delight to revere your name and make your servant successful today and grant him compassion before this man. So he confesses. He, he says they, need, they deserve judgment, but they also need mercy. He calls out for mercy. For God not to give them what they deserve, but as they return and confess, to instead God to be faithful to his commandments and to his promises that he would gather them back. And then he uh, will just... Dwell this just for a moment, but he asks specifically that God would grant him before this man his request, the king, to ask for that. And so we, this is four long months, okay, that he prays this prayer or some semblance of this prayer. He is fasting, he's praying. But the next prayer that we see, the next time we see in, in chapter 2, verse 4. In chapter 2, verse 4, whereas four months is a long time to continue praying in our minds, here is an instantaneous prayer, a very quick prayer because when the king says, what would, you, what would you have me do? What is your request? He says, oh, I prayed to the God of heaven. And here, we have the understanding that we don't have to get on our knees and, and, and prepare everything. In the moment of our need, God hears our prayer. And we request quickly. We throw ourselves upon the mercy of God and we ask for His answer. We don't know the exact words of the prayer. It could have been, Lord, help me. Help me. Give favor. It could have been very short. Obviously, it was very short because the king asks the question and he responds in the next verse. And so we see that response. But he asks, we, we need to understand that God is present and ready to hear. We think of God as transcendent, and he is, but he's also imminent. He is very close to us. He's there to hear and to answer requests, the plea of our hearts. So, so you see in Nehemiah in the first two chapters, long prayers, short prayers, prayers for himself, prayers for the people, prayers for mercy, acknowledgement of confession and judgment. So we see Nehemiah praying. The next thing I want you to see is in chapter 4, verse 9. So in chapter 3, they begin the repairs of the wall. Okay, so end of chapter 2, just kind of recap, just for our minds. Um, 
he cast the vision to them. In 18, uh, they said, let us arise and build. So he said, there's a, there's a great work to be done here. And they say, let's rise up and build. That's end of chapter 2. And so they do. And then Eliashib um, arose with the brothers and three details all of the people who are building. And we won't go back and do all of that. But you see so many people working in different, way, uh, different diverse uh, backgrounds and jobs. But they're all coming to repair the wall. So now in, verse, in chapter 4, things get a little uh, messy there because Samballot is furious, he's angry. And he speaks to the people, the wealthy men of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing in, in verse 2 of 4? Tobiah, we heard about Tobiah in the last two weeks. Um, you know, he makes fun of their wall, a fox, if it jumped on it, a little bitty fox would break the wall down. And he says in verse 4, Hear, O our God, how we are despised. Return their reproach on their own heads and give them up for plunder in the land of captivity. Do not forgive their iniquity and let not their sins be blotted out before you, for they have demoralized the builders. So we built the wall. The people had a mind to work. But look at what he calls here. He calls for help. He says to remember, Lord, remember who we are and how we are despised. Do not forget their iniquity. Now look at verse 9, or verse 8. Verse 8, all of them conspired to, to come and fight against Jerusalem and cause disturbance. But we pray to our God, because of them we set up guard against them at night. There was prayer, and we see later on there's great fear. And Nehemiah leads others in prayer. Nehemiah comes to the point where it's not only him, but he, he encourages others to do what he is doing. And he leads others in prayer, and they do so, and they continue the work, but they do guard. Verse 9, we pray to our God, and then set up the guard. So, so he continues, and we see through, through this, they're afraid in, in verse 14 of chapter 4. Um, and he says, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers and your sons and your daughters and your wives and your houses. And they, the enemies are upset. We continue down, there's a... You look at what God is doing. God will fight for us in verse 20. And you look in 20 and 21, 22, 23. They're, they're guarding as they build. They're, they're taking care. Uh, some of them didn't remove their clothes. They, they took their, their swords, their weapons, even to water. Um, they're, they're, they're guarded. But as they continue, they, they see what's going on in, verse, in chapter 5. Uh, sons and daughters, you know, they, need, there's a need of food. And so we talked about them and their um, exacting usury. But well, we move down to chapter, to chapter 9, verse 19, or chapter 5, verse 19. He prays again, and this, as I mentioned last week, is kind of his prayer journal. You see an insight into his soul. He says, Remember me, O my God, for good, according to all that I have done for this people. And I haven't given this a heading because we'll come to that one again. But remember me, O my God, for good. And it is, it is a prayer that Nehemiah is saying that, Lord, remember what we are doing, and, and this is for you. The good that I do, this is you, is a commitment to God. And he's saying, use what I have done. Make it useful for you. And look upon me with favor. And it is okay to ask God to look upon you with favor. In chapter 6, as we move along, and Sam Ballot and Tobiah again is is the problem. There's a call for strength. Lord, I need your strength. He said, he sent a message um, to him saying such things in verse 8, haven't been done, you're inventing these things. And so verse 9, for all of them were trying to frighten us, thinking 
they will become discouraged for the work it will not be done. And look how he, what he prays there into verse 9 of chapter 5. But now, O God, strengthen my hand. A prayer for strength. Have you ever been in a time in your life, maybe it's now, instead of being weary and well-doing, but saying, Lord, strengthen my hands. I need your strength. That's an important prayer. That is not a selfish prayer. The prayer is not to, oh, Lord, you know, give me lands and goods and stuff like that so that I can sit back and relax. It's, Lord, I need your strength now. I plead with you. And we understand that Nehemiah and the people are doing a great work. They are pouring out their lives. They're in danger in this situation to build this wall. But strengthen our hands to do your work. And that is a prayer we often need to pray. For following Christ, we need God's strength to call on Him. And to boldly call on Him for His strength. And Nehemiah gives us this pattern of boldly calling on God. Lord, I need your strength. As we continue to verse 14. Verse 14. And the situation of 14 is that um, Sambal and Tobiah are again coming on the scene. And 14 says, Remember, O my God, Tobiah and Sanballat according to these works of theirs. And also Noadiah, the prophetess, and the rest of the prophets who are trying to frighten me. And you have this here. Lord, defend me. A prayer of defense. Lord, remember what they are doing. And Lord, you take care of judging them. But that prayer is defend me. You know, we need God's defense. We have a great need. Often, we are frightened. And that fright, uh, that fright comes, uh, grows to discouragement. If we are afraid of things, we become discouraged. And we start to believe the wrong thing about God. We believe that He is not capable of rescuing me. He is not capable. Or we, we believe the wrong thing about God in the, in the sense that God doesn't know where I am. God doesn't know the trouble I'm in. Nobody knows the trouble. Okay? God doesn't know. And so we start to believe wrong things about God. And here, Nehemiah prays, Lord, I need you. I need you to defend me. You take care of, and this is the important thing, you take care of the enemies. You take care of them. You be my defense, God. And I'll leave them to you. Now, sometimes we like to, we want to take care of our own enemies. You know, smack them or whatever it is. And that's, that's not for us. That is for God. He prays, Lord, I need your defense. Well, chapters 8 and 9 are importance given to God's Word. And uh, would, if time allowed, I would walk, walk through these. Remember, they prayed, they they. They had the Word of God read aloud to them, and they stood from early morning into midday, and they praised God in chapter 8, verse 6. They bowed low and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Um, They explained the law. They read the book of the law, Nehemiah, and the people are weeping. They say, don't weep. This is a holy day. Be joyful in this particular day. And so they rejoice in their joy. And so chapters 8 and 9 are given to the importance of God's Word. And we understand that. Because in chapter 9, after the joy, they return to, to confession. They realize and they confess their sins in chapter 9 to God, people collectively. And you remember in, in 5 through the end of the chapter 9, 
They talk about God's glorious works and what He has done, and the recount from Abraham all the way to the present, and even to the fact that they, they look into how they have sinned, the people have sinned. And they say in verse 32 of chapter 9, Therefore, now therefore our God, the great and mighty, the awesome God, who keeps covenants and loving kindness, do not let all this hardship seem in, insignificant before you. Verse 33, however, you are just in all that has come upon us. You have dealt faithfully, but we have acted wickedly. So they confess. Remember they signed the agreement? The leaders signed the agreement for them that we will not, we or we will, depending on the case there. So they signed the agreement. In, verse, in chapter 10, they, they move through different things. And we saw 11 and 12 are, are fresh in our minds of what God is doing here. Nehemiah speaks in the end of chapter 12. Some of this is an editor kind of giving back the the details, but Nehemiah comes back from his time in in the capital. And so with the king, and then there's some more hardship. He has to do a few things, and in these things he has to to really create some, uh, some harsh circumstances for people because they're disobeying. But in that, uh, as he does so in, in chapter 13, remember he discovers that they are not taking care of the Levites. The Levites are going away to provide for their families, and so the house of the Lord is not being taken care of. You, re- you remember also that there, Tobiah was, had taken up uh, a place in the temple. So he rids the, the temple of Tobiah and cleanses it, and then, then later on they, he judges the intermarrying of those. And in chapter 13, verse 14, we see this word, this, this prayer, and there's going to be a, a, an appeal on the basis of loving kindness. Okay? Really, twice here, Lord, I appeal to you on the basis, for, remember me for this, O oh my God, and do not blot out my loyal deeds, the word for loving kindness or loyal love to someone, which I have performed for the house of my God and its services. He prays this prayer, and he prays this to God, and he says, Lord, I'm appealing on the basis of what I'm doing, and what I'm doing, how I'm serving you, is only out of the love that I have in my heart for you, the loyal love. And later on, he asks the blessing because of that. In between, though, he brings to this, in, in chapter 13, verse 29, he's asked the Lord to notice and remember certain people, and in particular their sins. 1329, remember them, O oh my God, because they have defiled the priesthood, the covenant, and the priesthood of the Levites. And these are, these are Israelites that he's praying about. And so God, Nehemiah goes again to God and says, and he leaves the, the, the ultimate end of these people. And we have the understanding that these are people who are continuing to rebel and not come back into fellowship with God and the people by living correctly. These people here... He gives them to God. Remember these people. And if we think about it, it's a very sobering thing. Very sobering to, to pray to God to, to really to deal with people who continue to refuse the Word of God. And then finally, he says, Lord, remember and give prosperity. Verse 1331. Oh, that's why I couldn't find it. Sorry, the slide here. I'm going to slide it up over there. 1322 first. This is the one of... He says, For this also remember me, O my God, and have compassion on me according to the greatness of your loving kindness. Before, he says, I'm doing this out of love. I'm appealing you on the basis of loving kindness of how I love you. But Lord, remember me on your 
on the basis of your loving kindness. And then he prays at the very end, remember and give prosperity. Remember me, O my God, for good. So, we often don't um, come to a time where we pray quite so specifically, do we? Sometimes we pray quite generally. And Nehemiah prays generally in some cases. But sometimes we pray, Lord, bless all these people and, and take care of these people and give me a good day. Amen. Okay? Um, and then we run out the door. And we don't take the time uh, in long times of prayer or even the quick times to be specific about our prayer. And so I wanted to take the opportunity. Um, we have an, a great example here of Nehemiah. Um, and to me, it was convicting as I went back through and, and looked at these. How often do I pray? Number one. Number two, what is the specificity of my prayer? How often do I specify, Lord, in this situation, would you do your work here? Now, obviously, we're praying in God's will. We're praying that the will of God be done. And we don't always know what the will of God is, so we pray for the will of God to be done. And we say, Lord, I'm praying specifically about this. I, would, I want you to do this in this situation, but Lord, your will be done. And so we take that from his hand of how he answers the prayers. But we do so on the basis of God's love and kindness. We do so on the basis that God, God asks us to pray. He calls on us to pray. The writer of Hebrews says, we don't have a great high priest who doesn't, isn't touched by our infirmities. We don't have somebody who says, yeah, yeah, go away. That is not our God. Jesus, the righteous, hears prayer. He receives our prayer, especially the prayers of his own. So we are called to pray for him.